Welcome to another Virial USA podcast. This is Alan, and I have a special guest tonight. This is um, Sid. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. You you pulled me out of the freezer after a long, long burn. Exactly. So for those of you that don't know, Sid is, when I joined the site in 2010, which is, my goodness. Dating us now. Yes, now. (laughs) Sid and... um, and Maddie were the two um, people who were involved in bringing me on board. And um, Sid especially said, Jeff, there's this SB Nation thing. I haven't had time to look at it, but why don't you contact them and see what, see if maybe they want a Virial podcast or a Virial website. And, and that's how it all started. So, um, so welcome. And um, yes, following you from the freezer, it's been a while. Uh, the other thing I should mention is you are the source of the infamous quote, you can never have too many center backs. And that, and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. That continues to come up, doesn't it? <laughs> so I thought, we'd, I thought we'd start by talking a little bit now that last year's um, season is safely behind us kind of talk a little bit about your impressions of that season because you have been following Virial for, for quite a long time and have been been with them through the ups and downs and relegation and promotion. And and um, so I kind of wanted to get your feeling on what happened. <laughs> yeah, so, so glad. I was going to say that best decision I made was, was bringing, bringing you into the fold and, and having you take, take things over. So that was, that was a good decision we made on that front. Um, it gave you time to do law. So that's good. <laughs> so, or who knows, who knows what we all do. Yes. But, um, you know, I, I think the one thing about last season, again, taking some of the longer perspective and by no means am I the, the, oldest fan of the club uh i really started following them i happened to be uh studying in spain in 2005 and had been following the career of raquel may and i suppose put two and two together that of course happened to be the year after really anybody who figured out who Villarreal were uh having qualified for the champions league uh and by the time i had gotten over there gotten through into the group stages through Everton. But I have to say last year was probably the most frustrating uh, of, of any to watch. And, you know, they, they, the club, uh, first, first few years, they came up from Primera. Of course, the first time they went straight back down and came back up again. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a couple of years in there of, of really just sort of barely surviving uh and then i think you know 2011 2012 everybody knows was just such a such a fluke set of so many different horrible things had to come together um and not just that the squad was you know the squad that the year before had gotten to the champions league minus santi um but gall just sort of knew you know, you know, it had to take these really weird, fluky things of these teams, all of these teams scoring in stoppage time. Of course, the way that we actually went down with Rio 
Um, but you got the feeling that, hey, that's probably, you know, a 10th place side. And, you know, just bad thing after bad thing ha- happens when you lose and they ended up getting relegated. Right. Last year, I, yeah, I mean, you tell me where... I, I think 14th is probably about where they should have finished. I mean, I think I think the the way that it was built, and we can of course get into this of, of how much money was spent up front and how little was spent in the back when the needs were in the back. Uh, um, you know, the key player that was lost was in the midfield, and and not really replacing him. Having your captain again, you know, somewhat mysteriously missed the entire season. Mm-hmm. Just there's so many, so many things about it seem strange. And then of course the situation with Calleja that he had been brought in, the the decisions in the off season to basically get rid of every player who could play on the wing, and then hitch our wagon to somebody who had never played above, you know the the B team until the end of the prior season. And basically we were relying on him and a guy who, you know, had a piece of his forearm in his ankle. Yeah. Uh to to make the, the season work. It just it, it was so poorly sort of thought through. And that's one of the things I think the, the most frustrating is that's so unlike the club. Um, in 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 terms of its management, in terms of personnel management, and and otherwise, that nobody it feels it just feels like nobody had any idea who was the one in charge last season. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the thing that frustrated most of us the most, or certainly frustrated me the most, was the feeling that whatever the Virial model was it was kind of hard to tell because historically, I don't know, I just felt like we, the whole spending money up front, you know, spending all that money on on three strikers and not reinforcing a back line to a significant degree um, was a problem. Not, I don't know, you know, there's a lot, as, as always with Virial, that you don't quite know, but the assumption seemed to be that Bruno was going to be able to come back. And the fact that, you know, we signed Caceres as sort of a short-term replacement for him, but there was no plan B. And it struck me that it was part of what contributed to the 2011-12 problem was the fact that, unbeknownst to us at the time, the finances of the club, we had really overspent in Mm -hmm. 2010 to get that Champions League place. And so in 2011-12, when Rossi went down with an injury, we couldn't go out there and buy a replacement striker. There was no money. You know, we couldn't couldn't do much of anything. Don't don't remind me of the 50 million that we passed up the year before. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, there was no money. And we, um, and I also won't remind you of the, how we reinvested the money we got from the sale of Santi either, but mm-hmm. you know, we all... He, well, he did an interview with us, Alan, so... 
Well, I wasn't so much thinking of him as I was as I was our hard worker. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, remember him? Yes. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, for, to, to, not to fill in the backstory there, we were speaking of Jonathan de Guzman, who was very gracious and, and did an interview when he signed with the club. And, and poor guy, I mean, the, the circumstances of yeah. that were so tough. He remember that he had already played for Mallorca and actually scored and won a game before we actually were able to put the signing through. And then we said, oh, yeah, we're in a group with Bayern and Napoli. Uh, yeah. <laughs> knock, knock yourself out uh, figuring that one out. And then uh, um, Camunas is who you're referencing from Osasuna. <laughs> so I actually thought that was interesting because I was thinking of the Moy signing in a way uh, when we were talking about Camunas. But just how much different and how much more logical it is. One, yeah. a player you know. Two, a player much younger. Three, a player who can play a whole number of positions in the midfield when you're sort of trying to figure it out. And that That is the kind of squad player that, that you're looking for as opposed to somebody like Camunas who had one good season with a you know, mid-table team. Well, the other thing that I remember from an interview with with Jonathan de Guzman, who, as you say, was very gracious. It was really it was really nice to be able to interview him. But the thing I remember was when he talked about where he liked to play. Yep. And and you remember yeah. you? I mean, I could almost hear you and I kind of basically, you know, biting our tongues, thinking, but that position doesn't exist in Garrido's system. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Which, which interestingly, is sort of where Ibora fits well. Yes, which is a good point that that Ibora, um, in in is our, that in Ganche kind of yeah false false yeah. second striker. Yeah. And it's and it's like um, I just remember thinking, well, I I'm you know all I hope you do well. I hope they, I hope I hope there's more to this than I'm seeing but why did we spend this much money on somebody who doesn't really fit in our system and i think to some degree not that the three strikers we bought don't necessarily fit in our system but last summer my feeling was why are we it felt like we were accumulating it's almost like when you're playing a board game and you and you say, "Oh, this this card could be useful later on. I'll pick that up," you know. And you end or, up, or or fantasy sports, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Going yeah. my age now, right? <laughs> so, okay, so fantasy sports, and you're drafting a team, and you end up drafting a team, and then you, oh yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. He's a good player. And then you look around and you're like, "Well, how do I put this all together and make a squad?" Mm -hmm. And I think that was. Part of the problem that we had last year and I don't yes we did have some bad bad luck at the start I don't I, I disagree with you in the sense that I don't think we were a 14th place team but I think we probably should have been a mid-table team I think having to fight having to worry about relegation as late as we did that was probably um, a combination of I mean, we had some really bad luck with um, strikers. You know, if you looked at our predicted goals on game, we're much better than what we ended up with. But mm -hmm. 
I, well, but but I I challenge you a little bit. If you look back at the table, I think the one thing that was frustrating, right, was Espanol in seven, fifty three <laughs> points, yeah. nine points more than we had, considering all all of the struggles all season. Nine points, really not much, considering it ended up being seven above eighteen. Yeah. But but I would challenge you to say. Alaves were in 11th. I don't think you can say any team, Alaves and up, that we were better or more consistent than during the year. So if you were saying maybe, okay, maybe we, should, we could have gotten ahead of A-bar for 12th, but that's about it. And, I mean, if you if you look, and, and we are spoiled to some extent with yeah. how consistent the team has been, I mean, 12th place is, other than the one relegation year, worse than the team has finished since 02-03. Right. We've never been in the double-digit places. And so that's where I say that just clearly the team was was a notch below the squads from, from you know, right. 10, 15 years um, prior. Well, I think, yeah, and I think, you know, certainly looking, at, I mean, every, I think everybody in the preseason was sort of, and I count myself in this, we were sort of deluding ourselves a bit, hoping that, oh, yeah, we'll be, I mean, our budget's the sixth or seventh largest, I forget what. So we'll be challenging for Europe again, and if things go well, we'll challenge for the Champions League. And I don't think... Our preseason last year was pretty pitiful, to be honest. Um, and I just don't... For some reason, it just seemed we never got it going. Um, and I don't know that... I don't know that firing Kaleja was a great idea, I, but I think bringing him back probably was, if that makes sense. Um, we got out of it. That's about the most we can say. Um, where, you know, it was not a good season. There were even the, even the highlights sort of had low lights with them. I mean, we come within, you know, a, a kick of defeating Barcelona for the first time in ages. And then we don't, <laughs> you know, Suarez scores are ridiculous. Well, and not even two goals up, right? Two yeah. goals up and then having Alvaro and then conceding twice. So, so yeah, I mean... Yeah, the whole thing was just it was not good, and I think the question that I that I I think in fairness I ha still have to ask is, does the club have a really good way forward? Because at the end of last season, there was an article in the local paper from one of the you know well-established journalists who kind of I would say the club. Um, provides him information. He, he sort of, I mean, he does some selective leaking on the club's behalf, I would, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. Lisa Raga. Lisa Raga, yeah. yeah. And he um, essentially said, yes, you know, the club, but Viriel realizes that um, changes need to be made. We need to hire a, a director of football who's in charge of signings and blah, 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 blah. And none of that's happened. So I don't know... Are we, are we, um, I don't know what's going on with that. And that, that disturbs me. 
inter- interesting we're talking about this uh, on the evening when I don't know if you've seen the rumors, but yes. there are rumors in Valencia that the whole House of Cards maybe is coming down and Peter Lim is maybe sticking his nose back into uh, personnel management and otherwise. So, right, right. So maybe, maybe we are in one of those eras and, and Alan, I know you you follow uh, American sports enough that you know, for example, in the NFL, you have this sort of era that the owners are big personalities themselves, mm-hmm. and the owners are very involved in management of the teams and you know making decisions on player personnel. And I just wonder, on some level. You know, there obviously there have been two very strong personalities at the club for a couple of decades. Um, right. Cordon, of course, you know was was part of the club for a long time, mm-hmm. left, and now with Royd Senior and and Yanesa, you know, taking at least somewhat of a step back. Right. You know, maybe maybe this is. There, there's a vacuum, and sometimes people pop up, up to fill it. But if there aren't people who are groomed to do so, maybe the vacuum sort of swallows itself. And and to me, a little bit, it seemed like uh, Calleja had a lot more say on the personnel management side, maybe in some of the decisions last year, than he should have as a you know manager who had been in the third division 12 to 18 months prior right being able to sort of say okay i'm going to get rid of all of the wing players and we're going to dump a bunch of money up front and i presume that the guys who were there last season in the back will do fine um yeah so, so I, I wonder about that, and clearly there's been some sort of correction this off season. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's not, it's, and I don't think it was just results which brought that there. I think people also realize, okay, you know, you can't, uh, as you mentioned, bringing him back. One of the things that happened when he came back was I think he changed his outlook and became much more pragmatic. And much less of a, this is the system I want to play, and I'm only going to play the players I think fit it. It was more of a, you know, Samu is the guy, and Santi, those are the two players who are going to make this happen for me. Let me find a way to make sure the ball is in their hands as much as possible. Right. And put them in a position to succeed, and that will enable everybody else to. Yeah, and I also wonder, I don't know, I mean, you know, one never knows, but I, I also wonder, I feel like, yes, Kaleha definitely had some say in the general move to um, the wingless wonders, as one of our contributors put it, because he does like to play a very narrow formation. In fairness, that's also the way Pellegrini um, set up the team a lot, right? I mean, Virial has never been aside renowned for wingers but except with marcelino except with marcelino right i think i think marcelino's marcelino's approach was totally different because it was all about counterattacking 
and providing width from the wingers to get the ball forward as opposed to fullbacks. Now, but I would I would say in in fairness to Marcelino, that's also where the footballing world has gone. That's correct. That's so correct. you know the the players and and it's all always you can look at it by who's who's getting the transfer fees. Mm-hmm. You know the Arsenal just spent I think eighty million on Pepe from from Lille. Yeah. That that player is not, not a center forward. And you never heard of money like that being spent on players who were not a center or forward. Like you, right. you, you needed to see, I'm going to get 25 goals out of this guy to be able to justify that money. And now, you know, with the nature of analytics, people are saying, okay, you know, chances created are worth just as much as somebody being able to actually bang them in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but so I, I I think that was a a bit more of a more modern look, and and you know for example, I think some some folks uh, had you know sort of sort of some heartburn about Samu's move to AC Milan, yeah. and I think part of that was the view of you know young dynamic winger, and we're bringing back old stodgy sort of stays in the box center forward and you know are are you are you leading the landscape of where the game is going for the next two years or are you sort of saying well you know this player maybe wants to leave and i know what i had in that other player so i'm going to make this move but not thinking in the longer term yeah and i think that was that was the move that i found the most interesting actually was i i felt because if you that came very late in the preseason and that's one where i won where i actually wondered if i i don't know where the direction came from on that but i found it odd that to me having already signed two center forwards the idea that we would essentially i mean i know it wasn't technically presented this way but we essentially sold Samu in part exchange for Carlos Baca, whom I've always liked, don't get me wrong. But that was not... I felt like, if anything, we had leverage there. Now, again, you don't know what the players actually thought. Yeah, I would would say I think the player player there was... He's a Milan player more than he is a Villarreal player. Yeah, yeah. But I felt like that was an odd, a very odd move. And and if we hadn't made that move, I mean, think of it. If we hadn't made that move, would we have felt that the team was as unbalanced as it turned out to be? No. Now, it still wouldn't have strengthened the back line. It still wouldn't have replaced Rodri or Bruno in midfield. But I think it would have given us some different attacking options than we had. Um mm-hmm. That was well, the, and, and and the irony of it, of course, is if you remember, by the end of the season, Toko Ikambi was playing on the wing. So, <laughs> functionally, we had we had realized that the trying to bring in, you know, straight center forwards wasn't working, and we had to sort of reposition a player who had not played there, uh, uh, in his in his recent past in Liga. So right, right. Yeah, I think he played there for okay. 
So I think I think he had some experience there, but yeah, it was not it was not where we had seen him earlier in the season for sure. And I don't know. I mean, I just find it odd that for a team that has the continued lack of attention to the back line baffles me. I'm I'm still kind of wondering, and maybe it is. I mean, to be fair. We did we did make some big purchases, big for us, in in the defense. Um, Bayi didn't last very long. Went to Manchester United, and I guess is he seems to mostly be getting hurt, which was part of his mo with us. I mean, he mm-hmm. missed the Europa League semi in Liverpool because he was hurt. Um, and you know, I just wonder. And then we tried Semedo, which was a disaster on many fronts. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if we're feeling like we don't. I mean, I don't know what defenders would be out there at you know the twelve, fifteen, eighteen million dollars, million euro range. But I just wonder if we don't feel confident to pull the trigger on that. It seems like we we tend to want to go for players whom we think we can develop or can be reasonable enough yeah i mean i i think you know one of the strong rumors of the offseason has been calero from Valladolid. yeah you know as as somebody who knows la liga you know as as the old center back expert apparently on on the website you know i think i think it is and we we've talked about about you know how important the pivot is, but I still think, particularly in the RL system, center back is the hardest position to play because there's such a reliance. You know, and and if you remember in the in the old days of the G and G pairing, Gonzalo and Godin, one of the things they relied on very heavily was use of the offside trap. Yes. So there was a very big emphasis on being able to move in coordination, you know, being able to understand when you were to sort of step up into a more advanced position. And if you remember, some of the really awful errors we had last year um, were center backs either trying to play out of the back or trying to step up and make challenges and sort of leaving themselves in a compromised position. Mm -hmm. So even for guys like Alvaro, or Afunes Mori, who had played in the Premier League, where the center backs all the time are sort of, you know, jumping in to to, to make plays further up the pitch, you know, than, than you might see in some other leagues, say Serie A. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. And I think one of the recognitions is you can't just expect somebody you know went behind the ears to be able to come in and figure that out and and in fairness i don't know that semedo would have been able to either um but you can you can even go back further down the line if you remember in our in in our fateful year zapata was Mm -hmm. one of the big acquisitions we had made and you know, he still hangs around the Colombian national team at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. A decent, decent enough player. But if you remember, just horribly exposed. Um, yes. 
And I think just a lot of that has to do with the system and is not, it's, it's just not an easy thing to be able to jump in and say, Hey, you know, really the, 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 the structure of the system depends on you, um, to be able to play out of the back and be able to make quick, timely reads. It's not, it's not so much about the pace of it in that way. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of folks, have noted, well, you know, when you're bringing in Albiol, what do you expect from him? But it, it's more about the, the ability to read the game. I think it is more than an actual the pace itself. Um, I think it's also, I mean, it's been a while now since we've had a defensive back, a center back pairing that's been very consistent. And we've tended to be, have about three center backs that we've rotated among with a fourth to fill in. And I think part of our problem also is that you, you really need that leader at the back. And you need I was just going to say that. Yep. Yeah, you need that person who can say, okay, step up, you know, let's, let's do the offside trap. Or, what, you know, you need, to, you need two backs who work together very well and understand each other very well. And we haven't had that for a long time. So, you know, it wouldn't bother me if we decided on Albiol and whomever and said, okay, you other two guys are basically going to be playing when, you know, they, they're suspended or whatnot. But for the most part, we're going to go with this, these two because these are the two that we think will work best together because the, the rotation doesn't help. Um, and I think... Partly, you know, when you look at our yellow card accumulation last year and you look at all those yellow cards that um, Funes Mori and Alvaro had, well, I think that's part of it is you're, you're, you're not sure where you're supposed to be, so you're overreacting to get back to where you think that is. And you, you know, are getting called for unnecessary fouls. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's right. Um, communication and, and otherwise is is difficult for for folks who haven't haven't worked together a long time. Yeah, and I think that was one thing. I mean, last year was pretty much a washout because he wasn't healthy at all. But two years ago, you know, when we when we beat Real Madrid, I mean, Bonera was the guy at the back that basically marshaled everybody and and kept that shutout. You know, along with. Um, along with uh, our keeper, of course, but he was that person that was basically in charge of the defense. So, you know, if Albiol can do that, great. You know, if he's not the fastest guy in a sprint, I'm not too worried. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, Ibora has, has shown me a lot, even in the limited time he's been there, that I think he views this not just, you know, that he feels like he can take some ownership. Right. Well, let's, let's take a brief break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about sort of looking forward, having to, to where, where we think we are now based on what we've seen. So we'll take a brief break, and we'll be right back. And here we are. So um, let's talk. A little bit. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see any of the preseason games, but 
certainly the fact that we've won four of them against opposition that we've heard of is um, a nice contrast to, I mean, last preseason or the preseason before, where we basically kind of noodled around, got some draws. I mean, this is the one foreseeing the the string of one ones had yeah. started already in the preseason. So. That's right. So I mean, I think this season is starting off better. We're getting we're getting some wins, um, scoring goals, scoring goals. Um, yes, there are clearly things to work on, but the team seems to be in better mood than it was last year. I mean, I just feel like they, I feel like they have a sense of how they want to play, which is something that I didn't see as much in the in last preseason. I, you know, I think that's the case. I think that's always the case, giving a, a manager a bit more time. Now, again, I think, and again, hindsight is what it is, and we can all extrapolate based on results, but I do think he spent more time last year worrying about who was going to be in the squad rather than managing the players that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just so many ins and outs and, and sort of trying to overhaul the composition of the team. Here, it's been a much more sort of like-for-like replacement that we've been seeing, um, or, or knowing that, obviously, the center-back position was an area of need, knowing that we needed competition uh, at, at the wing-back positions. So I think it's a positive, as you said, to see some sort of cohesion. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is you, you like to see their scoring goals and um, different kinds of goals and getting, you know, Carlos Baca, who is, who is scoring goals, making contributions. Gerard, you know, I, I think the first season coming back was always going to be uh, a bit, bit more of a settling in again. Remember at Espanol, he was the man, mm-hmm. uh, indisputably. And coming back into the situation where there were definitely many more good players around him. Uh, I, I think that that took some adjusting. So, so some, some of these things I think are, and, and certainly there were questions about whether Kaeha should have come back uh, this off season. Um, but I, I think it, it at least makes sense in the context of if you feel like, players and their organization is going to be a bit more settled give him another chance to to do something where he's not coaching from a position of i'm going to be fired if you know the first month's results don't go the right way versus Mm -hmm. i'm going to try and you know build this team up and see at the end of the year where i've been able to sort of develop some players yeah i think i think the I was sort of um, expecting that he would get the get the nod for this year after we stayed up. That didn't surprise me. I think, um, and I think really it's kind of a it's kind of a question of you know he's a young manager. He's got some talent, no question. And the question is, do you give him the time to develop with your team at the top level, which maybe means 
that you're going to have a couple of years where your team underperforms, and this was certainly true last year because your manager doesn't get the tactics right or doesn't get the substitutions right or whatnot. I mean, if you, if you look back at, at last season, particularly the first part before he was fired, yeah, I mean, you can go back and look at games where you're like, well, why did he do this and why did he do that? And in hindsight, okay, that wasn't great. But I don't know, to me, it's like at least if I'm trying to develop for the longer term, that makes more sense than hiring one of these managerial retreads who's, you know, not necessarily bad, but hard to look at anything in their, in their um, CV and say, oh, yeah, this is the guy that's going to save us. Um, I, you know, I think, I think it's fine to, to give him the, um, the nod and see what, see what he can do. Um, and so far, at least in preseason, it seems like that's, that's working out pretty well. Um, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know how the team will do this year. Um, but it's interesting that we're, that we're, I'm already thinking about, wow, we've got a lot of good players here. How do we work them all in compared to last year? Where it's like, well, who's going to play here? And what are we doing about this? I mean, the team feels uh, feels more cohesive than it did last year. Um, I think for all that last year we had the Samu's emergence and who could have counted on Santi to be Santi again, we also had, um, I was really felt like Manu Trigueros was subpar last year because of all his injuries. And if he can come back and be close to what he was two years ago, that's going to be a real positive too. Mm-hmm. So there's some worrying signs of that. It looks uh, like he's, I know. Been, he's been hobbled. He's been hobbled again, yeah. But I think I think I like the fact I like the players that we've signed. I I would feel more comfortable if we had another um, strong center back so that I could look at a one-two pairing and say these two are the guys. Um, I, I haven't seen Anguisa play at all, so I don't know how that will be in midfield, but, you know, if it turns out to be great, then fine, we can spring a bunch of money next summer and buy him. Um, I think the question with Viriol, as it always is, is do we get somebody coming in at the last minute for one of our players? Um, I don't sense that, or I sense that less than most summers, but that's always a question. So, so if you were asking that, are you talking about anyone other than some? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I think that's the thing that's different is that the fact. I, that I was gonna say, I, I think, I think it's in a bit of a place where you can sort of feel, and and I think that that is reflected on the field. I think there there just feels like there's a little bit more stability all the way around this season. Mm-hmm. I think if I think we all knew that Fornals was the guy who was going to move for, for decent money, and and remember the the rumors from Napoli have been there for, for eighteen months, so this those those were no surprise, right? That, that he was he was strongly desired and rightfully so, right? And I think probably when you know I'm sure when we signed him that there was. I mean, we might have liked to keep kept him one more year, but I think there was an expectation that 
you know, this is your next stepping stone to bigger money in EPL or Serie A or whatever. Um, I think the – so I wasn't surprised losing him. Um, I think one of Alvaro or, or Ruiz was going to go. I think the surprise to most of us was that it was Alvaro and not Ruiz. Um, but, yeah, I mean, most everybody else, apart from Samu, who, you know, I suppose somebody could still come in. But that's different. With a young player, it, it seems to me that where we've lost players in recent years has been, you know, the Bakambus going to China for crazy money, things like that. Um, I don't sense... I don't sense this year that there's any particular player that's going to get that kind of offer, other than possibly Samu. And even there, I, those rumors have been around for a long time. I think if he develops with us for another year and and does really well, you know, yeah, then maybe. And if we're not able to increase his buyout clause, sure, maybe. Uh, the EPL team comes in for him because they're, they've got enough money to play with. But it, other than that, it does seem more settled. Yeah, I think Gerard is the, the one that X Factor I'd put there. But now yeah. you have to keep in mind that we functionally paid for him at a $40 million valuation. Yeah. So he would really need to tear it up for somebody to be willing to pay significant enough markup that we'd be we'd be um, sort of at attention thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think that, I think that's right. And I, and again, I think if you sort of look back on say the, the, you know, Raquel May era of team, you have had these, you know, couple of, couple of diamonds, but then you had the, Takinardis and the Josikos and the Senna, obviously a, a good or even great player, but not the one who's going to fetch the, you know, gigantic transfer fee and and be the be the talk of the summer papers. So right. I think the mold of sort of trying to be, and 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 I'm reminded with with more talent, but of the sort of squads that. You know, Levante put together when they had that run of a number of pretty good years and and had made the Europa League, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little bit older, more veteran players. Um, you know, dare I say, somebody you know, like a like an Ibora or an Alberto Moreno um, is is in in some ways like a, a, a forlorn mold, where they went over. They went somewhere for, you know, significant fee. Didn't quite pan out, uh, as oftentimes these these moves across leagues with language and other other barriers do. Mm-hmm. And then coming back into, as you said, a, a sort of less pressure environment, even even then, say Sevilla, where they both left, right. um, and just being able to come back. I, I, I'm I'm skeptical on Alberto Moreno just because he hasn't he's played ten games in eighteen months. Um, so so we'll have to we'll have to see what what comes of that. But generally speaking, the type of signing is of a player who is hungry, 
Mm -hmm. uh, and knows that if they're looking to go back to that, hey, you know, Liverpool splashed out 30 million for me, uh, for Ibora, you know, Leicester, Leicester paid out a, a good sum of money to, to Sevilla, mm -hmm. then I'm really going to need to shine here. Yeah. And, and yeah. this is an environment where I can just come in and, and I don't have to deal with the media all the time. I don't have to, you know, this year even, I don't even have to deal with worrying about European football. You right. know, I'm going to be in Spain the whole season and just playing. And let me see where I come out at the end of this year. Yeah. So... Where do you think we come out at the end of this year? If you had to make a prediction today based on the team we've got and what everybody else has got, what do you think? Hmm. If you really ask me, I think we should make the Champions League this year. Really? I think the team is that much better than last year. And I think a lot of it is attitude. Um, I will reserve the one thing is I do want to see where we shake out at the end of this transfer window on sort of, for example, at left back. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely concerned that Alberto Moreno gets hurt and misses a significant part of the season. Right. So if Jaume or even Quintia were to leave, where does that leave? that position, essentially, if we're down to one player at it for a huge stretch of the year. Um, so I have, have a couple of concerns there. And then, and then at right back, similarly, you know, I think Mario, I, I, I could not expect him to be as poor as he was last year. So I think with competition, he ought to be somebody, you know, who... Uh, least in a backup position could be okay but mm. if we are pressed into that um you know that remains to be seen and i know there's some talk of you know louis leaving or, or mario leaving like you said if we had one more center back and even for me not necessarily you know needing to be someone we we, we spent 10 or 15 million on but even even somebody coming in who you could confidently say you know it's a number three uh that that would that would make me feel better more than i think the marginal ad of someone like ontiveros mm -hmm. or another winger would be um because i think and funny we're even mentioning names like this but but folks like moy or even somebody like raba um, I have I have a feeling he will get loaned out just to, okay. you know, to get consistent playing time. Um, but there are enough kind of pieces who can who can fit in those you know the out of the top six midfielders. Two of them are hurt. We need to press somebody in to play. I, I feel like we have, have enough of those even between even between that and and you know saying a if they figured out how to open up an international spot for somebody like Leo Suarez, mm -hmm. uh, who, as you know, I'm, I'm still a big fan of, but I don't know that, that he fits unless, say, somebody like Caceres goes out on loan, which is mm -hmm. not, not impossible. No. 
Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you're you're definitely hitting the optimistic button here. Um, For sure. So that's good. I mean, I yeah, I think we have to be better than a year ago. Are we are we fourth place better? Third place better? Uh, probably. I don't. Not in my mind. I think. I I don't. I don't think the top three is realistic. I think we're talking about fourth place. Fourth, yeah. I think Los Otros seventeen is is pretty clearly entrenched now. When when the the third place team is spending nine figures in transfer fees. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's the question. I I don't I don't know. I who, see. A, well, so so who, who do you who do you definitively see as better is the question. And I and I do think some of this is expecting the regression from Valencia that if it doesn't come, will make it yeah. very difficult. Well, actually, I see both Sevilla teams as better. I, I like the I like the work that Betis has done in the off season, um, and I and I think Sevilla, I I. I think I fit. I think Sevilla fourth. I guess I see us as kind of competing for the Europa League um, because I I feel like Sevilla is likely to be, um, you know, I think they seem better. Um, Betis, Celta are always interesting. Um, beyond that, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things that we saw last year is that once you got past the top four or five, that sixth and seventh place was pretty open so you know i could see us finishing in the europa league places i think champions league is a bit of an ask but but you know i'm more of a pessimist i guess no and i think i think most people would say that and i think you were surprised by my optimism <laughs> but it, it's not a bad thing so um but yeah and certainly if it if we end up in fourth place we're going to come back and say you predicted it first <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps the lone the lone man saying so, but but you know, so, so Sevilla, I, I agree. I think Sevilla has just you know over the last number of years been the most consistent. The one thing I'd say though is with Moreno, Ibora, and Baca, you know, the thing about Sevilla has always been they've been able to grind it out. They've been able to sort of pull out a point when they were down late and get something out of games and over the course of a season be able to add up those three, five, six extra points. Mm-hmm. And that often is the difference. The the competitive spirit in the squad and even add in players like, say, Ruben Pena, who I think clearly is, is brought in not just as, you know, okay, he, he could be the 1A or one B at right back, but he's a guy that people should come and watch him train. Mm-hmm. And if you are Powell, you know, you have Albiol to look at, but if you're not looking for the gray beard type, but somebody like, how could, how could I become a good professional? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's, that's a guy to look at because that, you know, and, and, and again, I think that's in, in the, 10, 15, 20 year arc of VRL, that's the kind of player that we've always sort of, that that's, you know, a Javi Venta-like kind of guy that, that really has been very popular and sort of appeals to folks at the club. Maybe not the most brilliant and talented, but you know he'll run up and down, you know he'll stick his foot in, and he's, he's not going to complain if Mario you know, 
ends up recovering and, and plays the majority of the games. He's going to fight for his place. He's not going to be the one handing in his transfer slip. Right, right. And I think that's the commitment that needs to be seen sort of more broadly. And I think that's the biggest reason I would say I'm, I'm more positive. And again, with a team like Betis, <laughs> and, and we know one of our players who went there in Pedraza is the type that, okay, uh, you know, for example, Firpo doesn't leave like the rumors had it because the money isn't there in the market this late of the year. And Pedraza is sitting on the bench. She got frustrated. Yeah. How is he going to react? Yeah. Is it yeah. is it going to be he comes and scores a goal and, and uh, makes makes the hand to the ear gesture to the to the Betis fans uh, and then doesn't see the field? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so a lot more combustibility for sure uh, at at Betis as there always is and and you know fourth place is is about consistency mm-hmm. uh, and and I think we are trying to mold the squad in a way that we know what we're going to get from them on a game-to-game basis uh, a little bit more than we have in the past few years. I would agree with that. I think I think the concern I have is um, still, you know, thinking back to last year, we, two things that, you know, I'm saying, well, we need to correct this, but of course a lot of it is just, you know, it's performance on the field. I think last year we had... Um, particularly early on, our strikers just were not as effective as we expected, and we had some errors at the back. If we can, if we can keep from giving away goals through mistakes at the back, I think we'll be we'll be in much better shape. So, anyway, we should probably wrap it up for tonight. But that's, I'm, you know, I'm, you're giving me optimism as, as well. I think the thing that's, I, I think. By and large, certainly with four wins and four from the preseason, um, we should be optimistic, and I think that's I think that's good. I think the question is going to be how that translates into the regular season. One advantage that that I think people need to remember, though, is that you know, unlike some of these other teams that we're going to be that we're going to be competing against, we don't have European competition, and that can sometimes help you if you're if you're in contention for a spot you know those are those are games that you're not playing you're you have fresher legs um there's always a bit of fixture congestion at some point and you have to be able to take advantage of that so you know i think the thing is going to be to keep the squad happy and motivated playing only one game a week most of the season and um you know, if if Galea can do that, and uh, we got the balance right between offense and defense, hey, fourth place is certainly achievable. So, well, I'm sure you'll hold, hold me to it at the end of the year when it doesn't happen. So, uh, fair well, play, uh, fair play. I will hold you to it. And when our prediction contest comes around, if you don't put down that we're finishing fourth, I'm going to wonder what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, for Sid and Alan, um, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you another time soon. And Yvonne, there we are.